Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Good morning. There we go. Better late than never, I guess. Um, it is good to see you. We are rounding out our series through Advent. Once again, Advent is this season of remembering what God has done and encouraging us that God is faithful to do that which he said he would do. One of the phrases that we've been using week by week is this Advent ache. As we remember these great promises that one day will be perfectly fulfilled, every promise of hope, peace, and now joy, we will one day know perfectly, but today we know in part. And yet that should still encourage us. And so today we're going to talk about joy, the theme of joy, not just joy in general, but how Jesus provides joy. Let me read Isaiah 52, verses 7 through nine, a familiar passage maybe for some of you. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaim peace, who bring good news of good things, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voices of your watchmen, they lift up their voices, shouting for joy together. For every eye will see the Lord returns to Zion. Be joyful, rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Would you pray with me? Father, God, we thank you for your love. God, I pray this morning that you would make your word come alive to us, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us even now, that you would move me out of the way, none of me and all of you, God. And as we wrestle with the profound promise of joy, God, would you open our hearts to receive that which you want to give? And we love you, and we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. On this topic of joy, there's typically two kinds of people. There is the bubbly, giddy, joyful person that is always happy all the time. And there is the rest of us who are annoyed by that person. Amen. And so we see that person smiling, and we we go out of our way to make sure they know that things are bad, right? Um, the moment they come in and say it's a good day, it's like, well, have you checked Twitter? Right? And joy is one of those things that we oftentimes assign to a personality, right? I'm a joyful person. Oh, I'm not really a joyful person. We don't think of it as a promise that Christ died to give us. But that is exactly what we're going to see in the text today. Webster defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, you have probably heard or probably have been told that joy isn't a feeling. How many people have been told that? Joy isn't a feeling. Kind of like love, right? Like love isn't a feeling, it's an action. You've heard that as well? That's, that's sad, y'all. <laughs> if love is just an action, if love is just a choice, like what kind of cold, heartless relationships are we, are we pushing towards? Joy is not just a feeling, but it is a feeling. It is that sense of satisfaction, that sense of completeness, but it's not just a feeling, like love just isn't a feeling as well. And so if we go into these passages, taking Webster's definition, there's going to be some tensions in us. Even right now, you may be sitting in your seat wrestling with the tensions of we're going to talk about joy, but have I seen the news? I promise you I have. Have I seen what's happening in our country? I I promise you I have. And it almost seems a little inappropriate to even talk about joy right now, doesn't it? Things are broken, things are bad, and that is true. And joy isn't about ignoring those things. Joy is about tapping into a source that is beyond our circumstances. 
So let me give you a working definition for the word joy that we're going to see in the text. My definition of joy is the awareness of God's goodness, most clearly demonstrated in Jesus. Joy is the awareness of God's goodness, most clearly demonstrated in Jesus. In each one of those parts of that definition is important. Let's take the first half. Joy is the awareness of God's goodness. Sometimes joy comes our way, doesn't it? A promotion, something good happening to us, something that we were praying for and hoping for actually happening in the time frame that we wanted it to happen. Joy sometimes presents itself as a surprising gift, and that's true. And that, In those moments, we are reminded, we have an awareness that God is good. We might not have been thinking about God's goodness all day, but all of a sudden this good thing happens to us, and we are just in awe of God's goodness. But if that's the only source of our joy, joy finding us, that puts us in a hard position, especially in a year like this year, where it seems like joy has been hard to come by. Good circumstances and fortunate arrangement of life has been hard to come by. That's why the second part of the definition is important, because it's an awareness of God's goodness that's most clearly demonstrated in Jesus. Most clearly demonstrated in Jesus. If I were to ask you the question and think of your own answer, why did Jesus come to die? Why did Jesus come? If you were to answer that question, what might you say? Some folks might say, well, he came to die for us. He came to forgive us for our sins. He came to show us the, the way of truth and righteousness. He came to, image, to demonstrate the truths of the kingdom, and all those things would be true. One thing that I oftentimes overlook, and many of us may overlook, is Jesus also came to give us joy. That is part of the reason why Christ died for us. And I'm going to prove it in a minute, but I want to prepare your heart that joy isn't a personality trait. Joy is the anchor for our souls because it fixes is our eyes on Jesus. It fixes our eyes on God's goodness while we engage the brokenness of our world. Isaiah 52, 7 through 9, which I just read, was the prophecy about this man, Jesus, that would come several hundred years later in Luke chapter 2. Go ahead, turn there if you have your Bibles. We see the fulfillment of that prophecy. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. There was a promise of joy And in verse 8, we get the fulfillment. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I proclaim to you good news of what? Great joy. The good news gospel, the word that you may be more familiar with, is one of good news. It's one of great joy. Let me ask a question for a second. Do we talk about Jesus that way? Even to other people. Do we talk about the gospel as one that brings joy, or is it just a formulation of right and wrong? Or is it just a theological position that you're asked to believe in alone? Do we talk about God with a smile on our face? Just thinking about God, put a smile on our face. And yet that is what the good news is. It is great joy for all people. So how does Jesus give us joy? I'm going to go through three ways really quickly, and I'm going to apply this to our lives. 
There's three ways that Jesus gives us joy. One is freedom from sin. The other way is fullness of joy. And lastly, a future hope. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 8 through 10, a familiar passage for, for some of us. We went through Nehemiah not too long ago. And it says this, they read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and to the Levites who were instructing the people, they said to all of them, this day is holy, the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared since today is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And most of us are only familiar with that last part of that last verse, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But where does that come from? We talked about this several weeks ago in Nehemiah, but as a reminder, remember the people were weeping as they read the law. They saw what God required of them. They saw how they were living their lives. And that gap between what God demands and what we can give is large, isn't it? What God commands from us, we don't seem able to give. And they were being crushed by that awareness. They were being crushed by their own sin. And Nehemiah prophetically says, don't weep, for the joy of the Lord will be your strength. What does he mean? That God isn't really serious about his commands? Don't worry about it? No, he's saying that there is someone else besides your performance that will close that gap between you and God. You see, Jesus was the joy of the Lord. You remember the, when Jesus was being baptized, the, the dove came down. And he says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Same word for joy. I take joy in my son. The joy of the Lord is Jesus. And he is the reason that gives us strength because we have freedom from our sin. Ephesians 1 and 7 makes it plain that says that God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. These are things that I'm not going to talk about you. I'll just talk about me that sometimes I take for granted. That my sins are forgiven, that God looks at Jesus and not my performance to determine how he feels about me. And sometimes it becomes so cliche to us that we forget the good news of great joy. This gospel that should provoke joy, that no matter what is wrong in my life, I'm right with God. No matter how broken and crazy my family may be, I am right with God. No matter how uncertain my finances and future might be, I am right with God. And if me and him are on good terms through Jesus, things can never be that bad, can it? Things should never lead to total despair, should it? Because no matter what else I may have going on or I not have going on, me and God are okay. Not because I am doing the right things, but because Jesus has paid the price for me. That's the first way that Jesus gives joy is he has bought us freedom from our sin and given us right standing with our God. The second way that Jesus fulfills this promise is he promised fullness of joy. John 17, 12 through 13 says this. Jesus is praying right now, and he says, while I was with them, I, I was protecting them by your name that you gave me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now listen carefully. 
It says, now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they, us, our disciples, may have my joy completed in them. Jesus is praying to the Father and saying that the reason I'm sharing these words is that they would have my joy made whole, made complete, made perfect, made more full in them. John 15, 9 through 11 helps us understand this phrase. It says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and what again, your joy may be complete. Hear the promise here today, y'all. God gives good things to us regularly. Life and breath this morning, the ability to worship him in our bodies, although those bodies may ache. And although there's things that are not the way we want them to be, we can see glimmers of things that we should rejoice about. But nothing in this world gives complete or full joy, does it? Even the best moments of our life will pass. Even the highest moments of euphoria will go away. But Jesus says, in me, you will have full joy. You will have complete joy. There is a joy that is available and accessible to every Christian at all times in Jesus. That's not dependent upon your circumstances. That's not dependent upon things working out your way. Think about that for just a moment. Joy is available to every Christian at all times through Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that joy is available to you right now no matter what may be raging around you, no matter what may be happening in your world, that joy is accessible and available to you right now and at all times in Jesus. That's what it means to have a complete and perfect joy. I'm not done yet. Jesus gives us freedom from our sin. He gives us fullness from our joy, but he also gives us a future hope. Jesus talking about his death with his disciples He says, hey, I'm going to go away for a while, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he gives us this encouragement in John 16, 22. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. Jesus is promising that one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you this reward of joy in me that no one can take from you. And that's meant to be an encouragement for them today and an encouragement for us today. Let me make this real plain. We're nearing the end of the year, and a lot of folks are going to make New Year's resolutions, right? Anybody got their resolutions in mind already? My bad. I just reminded you that you should be better in 2021. <laughs> like, they were like, oh, man. <laughs> you don't have to do it. It's okay. It's been a hard year for everybody. But many of us, right, we're going to try to make decisions. Um, Those who are tracking with the Radiant Vision 2021, we're going to ask you to make some specific commitments, relational commitments, missional commitments, and spiritual commitments. But for many others of us, we're going to make commitments around fitness. That's a common theme for the new year. It's like, I'm going to get in shape this year. This is going to be the year, right? What if I told you that I want to support you in that mission? You told me that, hey, my goal in 2021 is to get in shape. And I said, you know what? I'm going to support you in that goal. Here's Here's the deal. If you make it to the gym three days a week, at the end of 2021, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Who's in? Some people are like, nope, still not worth it. 
<laughs> I appreciate your honesty right now. Like, I'll make my own money, thank you. Um, but for many of us, a million dollars would be a good motivation to go to the gym all year long. So for those who took that deal, let me ask you a question. If it was cold outside, would you still go? Yeah. If you were tired that day, would you still go? Yeah. If your body was racked with pain because you ain't worked out in a while and you went too hard, would you still get up and go to the gym? Probably. If you really believe that I was going to give you a million dollars if you just made it to the gym three days a week, there would be almost nothing that would stop you from going to the gym. Agreed? Y'all, what do you think is on the other side of the life for, for the believer? What do you think is promised to us on the other side of this life? Do you think it's worth more or less than a million dollars? You see, that's what joy does, y'all. It gives you a clear picture of the reward on the other side of life so that even though my body is racked with pain, even though my mind is in disarray, even though my family is broken, even though there's so much chaos around me and inside of me, I am certain of the reward on the other side, and his name is Jesus. And so I get up and go. And so I get up and serve. I get up and worship. I get into my word. I raise my hands during service. Even though tears might be streaming down my eyes, I know that Jesus is on the other side of this life. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, that there is a future imperishable reward that cannot be taken away. Just hold on and hold out. And that's what joy does for the believer. That's why we have to go through this every year, this Advent season, to remind our hearts, to remind our minds that there is something on the other end. The news cycle doesn't determine our future. Our present circumstances don't have to dictate our joy. We can be rooted and grounded in what God has said. The only reason the believer doesn't have joy is we don't believe that there's a reward on the other side. The only reason you wouldn't go to the gym three days a week is if you doubted that I would actually give you the reward that I promised. But if we know that we know that God is good because God has already come once, so he, we know that he can come again, that should ground us with a hope and a joy that can't be taken away. That's hard, though, right? We don't always feel this. That's why we have to remind ourselves, because if joy is available to every believer at all times, that means joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Remember our definition of joy earlier? It's an awareness of the goodness of God. And one of the enemy, one of the, the tricks of the enemy, y'all, we talk about the, the trick of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the ways that he steals our joy kills our joy and destroys our joy is by making the goodness of God seem small and the problems of life seem big. One of the ways that he works his way, the enemy works his way into our hearts, is by making the goodness of God seem small and the problems of life seem big. That's why we have to remind ourselves daily that God is good. We don't make him good. He is good. We just can't see it all the time. We can't see it with a loved one in the hospital. We can't see it after we've been laid off and our application after application and interview after interview is unsuccessful. We can't see it when we've been single for so long and praying for so hard. We can't see it. And so joy gets dim because our awareness of God gets dim 
But the choice made available to the believer is to fix our eyes on him. And in so doing, take hold of joy. From the forgiveness of our sins, the fullness of his person, and the future hope that can't be taken away. I'll end with this. Psalms 34, verses 1 through 8. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. That's the promise held out to us in Jesus that there is joy for those who take refuge in him, for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But that's a choice, isn't it? The world is going to offer us a distraction. The world is going to offer us a diversion. The world is going to claim for our attention to make God's goodness small and the problems and uncertainties of life big. But those who have tasted and seen, we just need to remind ourselves that he is good. Amen? We have been through life long enough to know that he has come through, to know that his mercy endures forever. That even in the midst of suffering, there is great joy. These are hard and uncertain times for many of us, and I get that. But for those who've lived a little while, for those who've been through the fiery furnaces of trials, we know that there is a secret hidden place inside of suffering. There is a secret hidden place inside of uncertainty. There's a secret hidden place, and that place is God's presence, his fullness of joy. That comes before the answer. That comes before the deliverance. That comes before the circumstances change. And what I'm calling us to do is to find that secret hidden place in our lives through Jesus because it's available to us today to take hold of a joy that can sustain us until our faith is made sight. Would you pray with me? Father, God, it seems unusual to be talking about joy, and yet it is why you came and died for us, to give us this good news of great joy. Father, would you help us to choose joy in you today? Would you help us to abide in that secret place where your presence dwells despite our circumstances. And would you help us to live in this joy day by day, knowing that you are good and you are coming back. We love you and we thank you, Father. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.